Hey everyone, what's up? Welcome in to another episode of Real Sports Talk by Naraj. Hope you're all doing well on this Wednesday, October 13, 2021. A lot to get into as, you know, more college football on the way this week. The NFL, week six. You know, the NBA uh, preseason. Uh, continuing to take place this week and gearing up for a uh, obviously the start of the season a lot of things to get into and talk about and you know it is going to be really um, really interesting to see how things kind of transpire you got the you know Major League Baseball uh, you know postseason the championship series for both conferences and that's into play uh, so a lot to get into in today's episode and in, in heading into this week even, even more so. So I'm going to kick off with giving my top three uh, MVP candidates for the NFL 2021 season. There's been obviously a lot of impressive starts to this year. Um, we've seen obviously for the majority of history that quarterbacks have won the MVP award. Um, last year, Aaron Rodgers obviously did that. Um, you know, he had a big season. Um, you know, and so sometimes when you win the MVP, sometimes you are able to kind of. It's very rare that you can win an MVP and win a Super Bowl in the same year. Um, but you know, I'm sure it's been done at some point in NFL history. Um, you know, but. That's something that always comes into play. So, I'm gonna give you my th- my top three candidates for MVP so far through the first five games of the NFL 21 season. All right, number one to me um, is I mean, this is my clear cut MVP candidate as of right now, and it's Tom Brady. And the Bucks are off to a four and one start. Over 15 touchdowns, two interceptions. He's on pace to cross. If he keeps it up like this way, he's up to. He's gonna probably reach the 37, 38 touchdown mark, even more potentially. And obviously, the most impressive thing about this is obviously with the system that Brady's playing in and the way he has been. Look at his age and how he's been able to think of his body and play well. He's just been so good. Now, yes, the last couple of weeks, you know, he's got up against. You know, quarterback and you know the Miami Dolphins, but still being able to throw for five touchdowns in a game, you know, we probably wouldn't see that as much. Um, now nah, maybe it was just really bad Dolphins, maybe, but you know he's putting up some big numbers early on. Bucks are up to a four and one start. Um, they looked really convincing as an offense uh, for the most part. You know, now. The team around him is so great that, yes, those numbers probably are a little bit more uh, bigger than they appear. But you know he's still getting it done. Uh, look at this, you know, this league and the young quarterbacks that are coming to play. Um, you know, it is impressive to see Brady kind of lead the bunch in terms of touchdowns. So I'm gonna put him ahead at number one. That's my top candidate for MVP. At number two, I have Justin Herbert, the LA Chargers. I didn't think the Chargers would get up to a fast start this year. I thought they would have a little bit, you know, a tough time probably getting, um, getting it going because you know we've seen the kind of same kind of results in a while. But Justin Herbert has changed everything, 
ever since he won uh, Rookie of the Year, Offensive Rookie of the Year last year, and you know, Chargers started winning games towards the end. You know, they really have surged this season. You know, they've won a couple of big time games, obviously against Kansas City. You know, beating Kansas City, they shredded the Cleveland Browns defense last week. You know, Harbor's playing at an all all time level right now. You know, putting up some big numbers as well in terms of touchdowns and. You know, you see this this team, they're just clicking on all cylinders. You're seeing Austin Eckler be a factor. Uh, you're seeing Mike Williams be a factor. And obviously Jared Cook as well. So they've been able to really show a lot. And Herbert has been really at the center of it, really uh, showing a lot of promise right now. Being able to get it done under, you know, uh, you know, situation where they have to score points and stuff like that. So they've been really good. Obviously, the one loss they do have is against the Dallas. Um, but other than that, he's been really good this year. And I think he'll continue to be close number two in the MVP race. At number three, I have Kyler Murray of the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, the Cardinals are the only undefeated team left in the NFL. And you look at the Arizona Cardinals, they've just been able to win some games against a couple of uh, playoff opponents from last year, right? In Tennessee and Los Angeles, the Los Angeles Rams. The other victories have been obviously somewhat impressive, just considering how their defense is playing. Uh, but Kyle Murray's been off to a good start. Like he's playing well. You're seeing good signs from him. He's getting it done. Now he's not higher on my list yet because I still want to see what he can do in a situation when he's trailing by, uh, you know, double digits. Last year he was able to pull off some comebacks from behind I would like to see that even more I want to see them go up against some more quality opponents I think the Cleveland Browns are uh, a potential test this week um, you know against the Packers coming up in a couple of weeks that'll be a, a test so I really want to see Kyler Murray shine in those games now I don't have Lamar Jackson in my top five um, now he could be there um, Based on what he's been able to do with all the injuries that the Raiders have Raiders had on defense, but you know you expect Lamar Jackson to come out and do great things just because of the system that he's been playing in. And yeah, on Monday night he really had a big passing game, uh, you know, big you know game in terms of passing yards and touchdowns. So he's been really solid in that respect. Um, I still want to see him do it more consistently. I think that the Ravens are. Uh, doing fairly well. Like I said, they've been able to do a good job of getting things done as an offense. And, you know, I think if Lamar Jackson continues to have a couple of multi-touchdown games, you know, where he scores and throws for a couple, I think that, you know, he may creep up in the MVP race. Um, you know, so you're just seeing a lot of good things uh, from him. Um, and I just want to see if he can keep it going and start getting up there in numbers, you know, because... At the end of the day, we know that the biggest thing for Lamar Jackson, we know that he can run the football, he can pass the football, um, but you just want to see him do it even more consistently, even more bigger down the stretch of this season. And so if he does that, the Ravens, you know, continue to win games at a high rate as an offense, I think that um, he will definitely, definitely be a MVP candidate this year. Matthew Stafford is also a potential name that you could throw out there. Um, you know, he has played well for the most part, but we know that 
for the Rams, you know, it's about those big time games. So, you know, he's gotten obviously a win against the Buccaneers. Um, you know, so, I mean, Stafford's played well, the offense does look good. Um, but look at the Los Angeles Rams, they have a great defense as well. And so, I mean, Stafford's going to do, do a lot of good things this year, for sure. But he's going to have to put forth a lot of performances, I think, to win MVP. I mean, look, the MVP race comes down to numbers, record, those kind of things. And so, you look at Brady, you look at Justin Herbert, you look at Kyler Murray. I mean, they're a little bit above right now, Lamar, uh, Jackson, you know, Stafford. But in terms of, like, wins and style of wins, like... You know, Stafford uh, and, and Murray, uh, sorry, Stafford and Jackson are just right up there. Like, they're obviously playing relatively well for their teams because their defenses are playing well. So, you're seeing obviously it's a combination of things, but in terms of the MVP race, uh, you just kind of see the way that Brady's been playing, uh, even at this age, is impressive. And, you know, it may continue to be this way um, for this team going forward, you know. But I think that Herbert, Murray, they have a good chance to win an NFL MVP as well. It just comes down to can they continue to put up some good numbers uh, in those big-time games later this season. We know that Brady can do it uh, just because he's been there and he's a GOAT. He's done it for a long time, and he's doing it this season right now. Um, so if anybody's really past Brady, they're really going to have to up their level of play and get to a better record. Um, so it should be a, definitely an interesting race. It's definitely not over just yet because, like I said, Herbert's really close behind and so are the quarterbacks as well. Um, but I think that as of right now, I think that Brady is a, definitely a favorite for MVP. And um, if he continues at, at this pace, then he's definitely going to set up set a lot of records um, already that he already has done this season. Already, he's already the passing leader already. Um, in the NFL all-time yards, so it may continue to be that case um, just because of how the uh, Bucks have been really spreading it out every single week. Um, and if you continue this pace, then you'll see him be big award by the end of the season. So in this next segment, I want to list my three quarterbacks that need to have a big game in week six of the upcoming NFL uh, 21 season. So week six, obviously, a lot of promising games, uh, like I said, a couple of division games. Obviously, you got Bills and Titans, Seahawks, Steelers, you know, um, you got some interesting matchups, and I think that, like I said, last week, I had mentioned three quarterbacks that need to have a big game, um, and I think one of, them I, one of them that I had mentioned who needed to have a big game was Ben Roethlisberger, and he did, um, so I'm going to go at it again with three quarterbacks that definitely need a big week six. Number one, Jared Goff of the Detroit Lions. Look, now Jared Goff coming into this season obviously got traded from, from the Rams to the Lions, and you know, it was going to be a tough uh, situation for Jared Goff regardless because obviously number of years with McVay and then we saw towards the end and things just weren't working out wasn't really playing his best 
And so they moved on from him. And so the Lions took staff uh, Jared Goff on. And Jared Goff has done okay at best for the Detroit Lions. Although last week had you know a couple of turnovers and you know a couple of uh, you know things that you kind of saw him kind of revert back to his old ways. But Jared Goff is still a young quarterback. I think he's like 27, 28. Um, he's just right there in his obviously in his prime of his career, and the Lions have obviously lost quite a few of uh, home games. You know, close home games. Uh, Dan Campbell's been really seen to play hard, and they've been in some of these games down the stretch. Uh, offensively, they've been able to do well at times, but they can't sustain it. So I think that this week you're hosting the Cincinnati Bengals, obviously coming off a tough overtime loss to the Packers. This is a great opportunity for this Lions offense, this Lions team to get a win. And I think that Jared Goff needs to have one of those big time games. We haven't seen him thrown three or four touchdowns in a while. And I think that this may be the game that he could do that, potentially. You know, without Hawkinson and Amon St. Brown and the guys, I mean, they really need to get off to a better start. That's the first thing. But you look at Jared Goff, I mean, he's put up okay numbers so far this year. There's nothing too great or too less. It's right in the middle of the pack. But he's going to have to be better because you just look at the Lions. Whether or not they want to invest in him long term remains to be seen. But he needs to play well from start to finish, you know. Only seven touchdowns, three interceptions. Um, This would be a great week for him to have a big game get back on track and get a win with the Detroit Lions. They definitely need something for their fan base. Even if he won't be there long term, he's really auditioning for next year, in my view. Um, Or maybe he will be able to win the job and remain as a a starter, but he's going to have to show up and have a big game, and I think that this might be the week that he does that. I think the second quarterback that needs to have a big game this week is Derek Carr of the Las Vegas Raiders. Now the Raiders have obviously been through a kind of a tough, uh, tough kind of in the past 48, 72 hours with all the John Gruden um, information that's come out to light in the emails and him resigning. Uh, you know they weren't obviously focused at, at their best on Sunday's game against the Chicago Bears, only putting up nine points. Uh, you didn't see a whole lot of Henry Ruggs, Darren Waller, you know Carson Edwards as much. They really struggled to find success against the Bears defense, you know, kind of got, got behind and then just could, could not sustain their drives. And so Derek Carr is, you know, look at his future as a Raiders, you know, Raiders quarterback. You know, we've heard a lot of rumblings in the past about Raiders moving on from him. And, you know, now the question is, is that, you know, since my uh, John Gruden is not there anymore, you know, will Derek Carr be next? And so it's really important that Derek Carr gets the Raiders back on track. They've lost two straight games, um, you know, which they got off to a slow start, but they were able to kind of come back a little bit. We didn't see that against the Bears uh, on Sunday. And so Derek Carr is going to have to do some good things overall. You know, he didn't throw a touchdown last week. He's got to be more efficient this week against the Denver Broncos on the road, a mile high. Obviously, we know that. It's obviously tough to win there at times, and you know Raiders obviously are looking you know, going into there with you know their defense being a little bit you know off. So they need to find a way to rally um, behind Derek Carr. He needs to have one of those games in which he 
you know, gets them back on track in terms of as, as an offense and going forward because this team still has a chance to compete in the AFC West and for a playoff spot and to stay in playoff contention. They're going to need Derek Carr to deliver some some of those big time games that he can he can do. Um, and it starts with him playing much better. Um, him playing much better um, from the get go. Um, especially in the first half of these games, because it feels like they off, they have gone off to a slow start the last two games. So if he can come out, be a little bit more focused, a little bit more better against the Broncos and that secondary, uh, I think they'll do well. You know, he'll definitely have a better chance of kind of quieting down those kind of uh, things that are coming coming on. Because there's no doubt that Mike Mayock is going to have a chance, maybe, to draft a quarterback next year. I mean, depending on how the Raiders do finish um, this season, they may or may not have a chance at a quarterback. Um, but, you know, they may have some draft capital, possibly. Uh, but they have a really good team with a nice young wide receiving group, right? So you want to see this offense pick it up a little bit. You see more of Josh Jacobs, more Hunter Renflo, Henry Ruggs. I mean, this is, you know, they kind of address a lot of those positions, right? As a defense, they obviously still are struggling to rush a quarterback. But if Derek Carr can find a way to put up a, a good performance this week against Denver, um, you know that would go a long way in helping the Raiders uh, stick with him in the long term. And I think the third quarterback that I believe needs to have a big game this week is Kirk Cousins of the Minnesota Vikings. Now, Kirk Cousins has kept the Vikings in a lot of these games, although their record obviously is two and three now. Uh, if I recall correctly, um, you know the Vikings definitely, uh, as an offense, they've been trying to get you know find a balance. We saw Justin Jefferson have a big game last week. You know, Dalvin Cook is still kind of getting back to his his usual self. Kirk Cousins obviously signed right with the, with the Minnesota Vikings, and we've seen the Vikings really struggle at times to be a good team, especially late towards the season. Um, but they're getting back on track. They have all, they have a golden opportunity to get back to 500 this week against the Carolina Panthers and Sam Darnold. And Kirk Cousins, obviously stats-wise and sort of experience-wise, obviously he's been there longer than Sam Darnold. Um, I mean they're they're on they're on the road at Carolina now. The Panthers obviously lost a tough home game to the Eagles. Um, with obviously the offense not doing well, so Kirk Cousins coming in there. I mean, he's thrown for I think ten touchdowns and two interceptions so far this year. Uh, you know, going against the Carolina Panthers defense, you know, this would be a great game for him to really step up and show what he's made of. Get the Vikings back in the picture, not only in terms of the NFC but the NFC North conversation. Because right now it feels like the Bears and the Packers are ahead of them, right? So. If Kirk Cousins can have have a good game against Carolina, you know, hand them a you know another loss, maybe that will help Kirk Cousins and this team kind of find that confidence to be you know much better down the stretch. But this is a, a game in which I think that he can definitely outplay Sam Darnold. He should be able to get it going against his defense, uh, based on what we saw last week. Um, so if Kirk Cousins doesn't have a big game this week, then you know, I think that you'll just kind of see the same kind of pattern we've been, we've been seeing from him the last few years, where he's, he's going to give you obviously a couple of go weeks in a row, 
And some weeks it's not going to be that in, in a row. And that's with every quarterback sometimes. You know, you have a couple of good weeks and you have a couple of bad weeks. Um, but I think these three quarterbacks definitely need a big week six. Um, and I think more so than Derek Carr, maybe. I would say uh, Jared Goff and Kirk Cousins both. Uh, they both played each other last week. They both, you know, they fairly okay, but you know, I think out of all three of these quarterbacks, I think that Jared Goff definitely has to have a big game in, in Week Six, and I think that Kirk Cousins, just knowing the Vikings are, you know, right there in terms of like they're two and three, trying to get to five hundred, uh, going against Carolina, a team that obviously is playing well, but they've lost two straight, and you know, you've won a couple of games in a row. Uh, I think they should find a way to. Uh, they should play their best, I think, against Carolina on Sunday. And hopefully, Kirk Cousins is able to d- deliver uh, against that defense. So in this next segment, I want to talk about a couple of uh, really uh, unique, interesting stories. Um, obviously, in the past, I've talked about um, HBCU talent and a lot of great football players and things that are happening with HBCU talent, you know, getting a chance to showcase their abilities, get to the NFL. You know, we've seen so much happen over the past year, and obviously... The HBCU talent is incredible in their own unique way. You know, been, they may not be able to be featured as much, but you're seeing more of, it, of the you know the networks and everything trying to push it. And you know, there's obviously some really good stories that come out of the HBCU every single year with you know coaches and players um, competing in the, in the conference. You know, some big time games, big performances, and it's just really great for the communities and just for the schools in general. So I want to talk about uh, Dunquarian Fields. He's a defensive back for Grambling State University. You know, a very talented football player. Um, you know, came back this year after suffering a uh, gruesome right leg injury in 2019. Um, you know, someone who was obviously playing at a high level his first season. Um, you know. And, you know, the thing about him, obviously, was that, you know, he just really wanted to get out there and play. And I think his injury happened during one of those close contests. And so, you know, he had to kind of, you know, find his way back onto the football field. And, you know, after, obviously, leg injuries and how the, how it is in, in any sport, you know, it's very really tough to come back from. But he showed a lot of faith and determination making it back to the field uh, this season. Uh, obviously, he watched a lot of film of himself, um, and you know, kind of reliving what happened during that play, and you know, just he really had to kind of come out of that, and you know, he obviously got a lot of support from his family, from his uh, from his girlfriend, uh, as he you know decided to rehab and come back, and just knowing that you know he wanted to be able to leave the football field. <laughs> on a different note, you know, he wanted to come back and be be there uh, and kind of give it his all, so uh, he watched him himself, he, you know, 
spent a lot of time around teammates and coaches during the time that he missed, and he is back, and he had his first interception of the season this past weekend against Alabama A&M. Um, the director of sports medicine, uh, Bernetta Young, really was a, a big role and kind of continued to push him and have him go through those uh, rehabs where he had to obviously regain that feeling in his right leg. Um, and now, you know, he also went through a lot of physical therapy. Um, you know, so he came back stronger than ever. Um, obviously has done really well on and off the football field as a player and as a person. And he just talked about giving it 110% every day. And that's the kind of attitude that you want to see in, in the athletes coming up, um, wherever they are. And especially for HBUC talent, knowing that, you know, their path is a little bit more tougher to go to the NFL or the NBA. Um, you definitely seen a lot of great stories and got hard work and the carrying field is someone who, you know, continues to ascend and maybe he will have his name called one day in the NFL draft, which is definitely a dream of his. And so, you know, obviously a lot of football players have, have suffered a lot of injuries throughout their careers and some can't really come back from it. But, you know, he was committed to doing that and wanted to come back and play for Grambling State University. And he's been one of their best players, I would say, this season in terms of a leadership standpoint of view he's been right there at the top um and hopefully he'll continue to get more opportunities to shine going forward now that brings me to shiloh sanders who plays for jackson state uh university is the son of Dion sanders um you know a physical player six feet 195 playing the quarterback position only 20 million years old and you know, he has uh, been really good for um, Jackson State in the Southern uh, Athletic Conference. You know, Deion Sanders obviously a Hall of Famer in his own right. Uh, really taught him well, <laughs> as we know, and he's really, you know, you know, really engaged and and, and um, motivated to play hard. And he's had a good season so far, playing extremely well. Although his path also started somewhere else, and that was at South Carolina, where he started as a redshirt freshman. You know, didn't get a whole lot of playing time. Had 32 tackles in nine games. Wanted to get more playing time. You know, Deion Sanders obviously joined Jackson State, started recruiting, brought his son, uh, you know, to be his quarterback. And then with Shiloh, you know, he wanted to come back home and be with Deion and you know get coached under his father and he did the right thing because he's been having a great season one of the best players on that defense um and you know he's kind of to find his own kind of footing like i say he started at south carolina and obviously that's a great school in his own right um but like i said he didn't get a whole lot of playing time there were a lot of changes to the south carolina program during that time um so he you know decided to come back to jackson state and you know, he's got a really good potential going forward to be a great cornerback, great safety. I think he's a safety position, you know. So I think you'll see him a lot more going forward for Jackson State the rest of this season. And I think that his path to the NFL will be really interesting. Like I said, Deion Sanders, we know what he can do and what he's been able to do. And now it's just about seeing kind of his sons really be great football players. And they're doing fairly well right now in their careers. But they got a long ways to go before reaching that level but it is good to see Jackson State have success in terms of their you know their pride their representation and then seeing these two 
and Shiloh and Shafir Sanders both have their own impact on this team. So definitely things are looking up for Jackson State, um, you know, heading into this year and the year after that. So I want to wrap up my 2021-22 NBA season previews with the two teams that squared off in the NBA Finals last year, and that would be the Phoenix Suns and the Milwaukee Bucks. So I'm going to start with the Phoenix Suns. The Phoenix Suns went 51-21 and last season, had one of their best seasons in franchise history. It was a very disappointing end in the NBA Finals. They lost in six games to the Milwaukee Bucks. I did pick the Suns to win the NBA Finals. Um... But man, the Bucks really took over, especially in that game five and that game six, and just really uh, took it home the rest of the way. And you know, the Suns obviously had a great season. You saw Booker and Chris Paul play extremely well, but towards the end, you kind of saw that they weren't at their best at times. They had a couple of turnovers. You know, obviously a lot of shot making wasn't there, but they just struggled to contain and play good defense and really. Stop Jan Jans was on a roll at that time, playing really great basketball. Um, they had no answer for him and the uh, Milwaukee Bucks in that final portion of that, uh, you know, second half of that NBA Finals. So, look at the Suns. I mean, they have been really good at home. I think that will continue to be the case this year. Their scoring should be just as lethal. I think the key for the uh, Phoenix Suns is to be more physical on defense and be much better in the paint. I think they got pushed around a lot, obviously, in the NBA Finals. So they're going to need to get more out of their second unit this season. I think guys like Cameron Payne, Dario Saric, um, you know, Landry Shamit, Cameron Johnson, they need their second unit to be more effective this season. I think they played well last year, but they need to play even more better. Uh, because, like I said, Chris Paul is still a great player. Um, but you know that he's not going to be able to give you that 20 points plus a game a night all the time. He did play well in the postseason for the most part, but, you know, he's he didn't play at his best, I would say, during the finals. So, some of those games, he just really did not play his best. And so, whether he was injured or not, I mean, you know, you want to see a little bit better from this bench. And, and you know, and Sargent was out, obviously, for the finals, so... Um, you know, having a couple of bodies back will be great for the Phoenix Suns. I think Booker is really going to be motivated to come out and, and be really dominant and much better scorer. He'll have to obviously adapt to some things as well because, you know, you saw quite a bit what he saw in the postseason in terms of the defense and the matchups. They're going to have to be better in the paint. And you just want to see, you know, them to continue to build on the experience they got last year, right? They're motivated, they're hungry. You know, obviously they they didn't finish a job that they were set to do, uh, you know, last year. So I can see Phoenix being right there um, as a threat to the Lakers for the number one seed, number two seed in the Western Conference. And I think that it will just come down to uh, the Suns really being able to sustain the kind of momentum they had last season, playing well on both sides of the ball. Um, you want to see Booker continue to elevate and show why he's a superstar in this league. Uh, but, you know, look at Monty Williams. He had a great season last year for the first time in his career. You want to see him keep it going, have consistency, get back to the playoffs, get back to the Western Conference Finals, NBA Finals. Definitely can't happen. You know, 
Obviously, the Lakers are a little bit more better in terms of their roster right now, but chemistry will come in, come into play, and let's see if uh, Booker and Paul once again will be able to kind of have that success early on, and will you see, you know, more from DeAndre Aiden, especially. You know, he's come a long way. He had his first really good season in a while, um, so now you want to see if they can continue to do that. Um, this upcoming NBA season with obviously with more teams a little bit more better on their rosters definitely should be a fun one to see how they do and go against those teams Um, so look forward to that and how that may go down and finally I'm going to recap the Milwaukee Bucks or preview sorry preview the Milwaukee Bucks and their upcoming season the other defending champions, uh, Jan's coming up with a very memorable and dominant performance, especially in that game six. You know, the team is still loaded and experienced despite the loss of P.J. Tucker to the Miami Heat. And look, the Bucks got a huge thing off their backs. I mean, Giannis finally has that title you know, on his shoulders. I think he's going to do great things for the Milwaukee Bucks going forward. Um, you look at Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton. They both played really well down the stretch. They're going to obviously need that to be the case again this year. I think their bench will have to be more a factor this year. Uh, you know, Dante DiVincenzo will be making his return uh, to the roster. So he'll definitely be someone that they have to kind of continue to push and have him play a lot more minutes. The Bucks were 46-26 and 26 last year. I think they will up that total this year. They should be able to up that total this year, um, this season. And I think that as long as Drew Holiday, Chris Milton continue to score, keep Giannis in the paint, let him play the 4 or 5, he'll dominate. And, you know, they do have a couple of new additions to the roster in Rodney Hood, Jeff T, Grayson Allen. Um, so they pretty much brought back everybody except P.J. Tucker. And so they're loaded, they're experienced. Mike Bullenhoser did a tremendous coaching job. Considering how many times he was, you know, there has been talked about whether they will let him go, whether he will not be in the season. Um, he definitely came through and coached really a lot, his, you know, his tails off the NBA Finals. And the Bucks just like they had a memorable run in, all the way through. And, you know, they definitely have a chance again to repeat as NBA champions. I mean, if Giannis continues to play this way and obviously continues to shoot more mid-range jumpers and play his game, they'll be hard to beat. You saw them shoot a lot of three-pointers last year. I think the Bucks will continue to do that this year. Try to shoot more threes. Try to be physical into the rebounding game. And you want to see now who will step up to the plate and beat them. The Nets have a chance to do that opening night. You know, look at the Miami Heat. They also have a shot as well. So... Everyone's coming for the Milwaukee Bucks, and it's going to be fun to see how Giannis responds to all those things. I mean, had a great season, you know, won MVPs the last couple of years, then Defensive Player of the Year, and now NBA champion. So, obviously, repeating is very hard to do for the for any NBA champion. You know, the Bucks obviously won their second title in history since 1971. So, you know, they're hoping to get a couple more probably in the next five, six years, and... Giannis being there long term with Drew Holiday locked up, uh, they will be a favorite coming out of the Eastern Conference this season. Um, and only question is, can the Brooklyn Nets this time surpass them uh, if they had go go head to head, or they have Kyrie Irving um, there to, you know, to get them over the hump? So that that'll be key. I think it will come down to the Bucks and the Nets maybe this you know, in the Eastern Conference. But Miami can be ruled out 
just yet. Cause not, nothing, nothing has really started yet, but look at the grand scheme of things. Philly could be in the mix, right, with Ben Simmons possibly back in the fold. So the East is shaking up to be very interesting in the top four. I think all the teams could really, you know, shift their rankings um, throughout the season. But then the box will be right back to the postseason and to the NBA Finals.